ghost dog. What? Ghost dog. Ghost dog? He said ghost dog. Yeah, he calls himself ghost dog. I don't know, a lot of these black guys today, these gangster type guys, they all got names like that they make up for themselves. Is that true? Sure. He means like the rappers. You know, the rappers, they all got names like that. Snoop Doggy Dog, Ice Cube, Q-Tip, Method Man. My favorite was always Flavor Flay from Public Enemy. We got the funky fresh flyer flavor. Live lyrics from the bank of reality. I kicked the flyer through for new technicality. Do a dope track. I love that guy. I don't know anything about that. But it makes me think about Indians. You know, they got names like uh, Red Cloud, Crazy Horse, Running Bear, Black Elk. Mm. <laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah, Indians, niggas, same thing. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, D-Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Folks, 2017 is just upon us. Uh, Let's try to make 2017 a better year, definitely. If you haven't guessed it, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. We are going to have, I suspect we're going to have, a New Year's Eve edition of the Grindhouse, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be 6 p.m. per usual this Saturday. But for the duration, you have yours truly, of course, the indefatigable Captain Kirk. The call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. We have quite a few things to discuss, folks. Again, per usual, giving you information. But you're more than welcome to call in with your protestations, your questions, your queries, your uh, conflicts, disagreements. Analyses. Throw it at us. We can handle it. Uh, 
another component of the 2016 year. A lot of celebrity deaths. Just, just an incredible thing. Mr. George Michael has left the building. Also, of course, we were holding out hope for actress, iconic Star Wars actress, and uh, female scion, Hollywood scion, Debbie Fisher, and of course, uh, I'm sorry, Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher. Carrie Fisher has left the building, but we thought that she was going to actually make it. Uh, Our thoughts as nerds of color, as geeks, we thought she was going to hang on. So uh, it's very, very sad. Uh, um, Pardon me. A few other uh, celebrities have passed on. Um, Ricky Harris, comedian. West Coast, left coast, hip-hop comedian has left the building. Um, Still more deaths. We'll get into it, folks. Let's go to a groove in homage of of Mr. Michael. Let's play one of his cuts. I was I was a fan. I would say I was a I was a fan. I, I supported his work. I bought some of his music. I thought he was very good actually. I thought he was very talented. Very troubled, I suspect. And we'll get into that a little bit. Anyway, this is when he was with uh Andrew Ridgely uh of Wham and this is everything she wants. Circa 1984. Wow, time is flying. We'll be right back. Let's groove. And now for my next number, I'd like to return to the classics. Oh, 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 
everything she wants by the late George Michael when he was with the supergroup Wham! circa 1984. Folks, the icons are leaving the building. They're commuting with the gods, if you believe in the theory. Anyway, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. Let's just be done with it. Captain, you're needed on Rigel 235.5. The Negroes in these malls across our lands, and perhaps lower-tier whites, but I'm, for the sake of, of humor, they're cutting up again, sir. You're needed on the bridge and on Rigel 34.5. Let's just get into it, folks. Cap, you're needed. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Now listen, you hear the captain for years now saying fairness is the illusion of the weak. So let's, let's switch it up, but still keep it the same. The only thing fair in life, fair in life, is the 24 hours that everyone gets. Let me say that again. The only thing fair in life is the 24 hours that everyone gets. Some people are tall. Some people are short. If you're five foot two as a man, you got it rough. That's just what it is. It's not fair. It's not fair, I know. Some women are really pretty, nice, shapely, 120 pounds, don't go to the gym, eat what they want. Meanwhile, you are going to the gym as a woman, and, you know, you're getting it, but you're not really getting it, and some little pretty girl goes by eating pizza. Life is not fair. But the 24 hours... Is all right, it's not fair, it's not fair, and even going further with it. Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis are two great sprinters. Carl Lewis got caught for using a banned substance. They don't talk about it though, they don't talk about it. It's not fair, it was not fair, and that's absolutely true. He did, they put it underneath the table. All right, and that information is out there, but Ben Johnson. The Canadian brought him up on all type of charges and everything else. Not fair. Life is not fair. You see, that's just how things go. But the 24 hours in the day, we all get the same amount of that. We all get the same rations, ladies and gentlemen. Always remember that. You obtuse individuals. You obtuse individuals. I'm going with that going into 2017. Okay? Let's go out for nerd. Let's go. All right. Uh, Cap, as usual, right on point. Um, we have quite a few things to discuss, folks. Feel free to join in. 
with our discourse, 646-915-9620, again, 646-915-9620. I think, well, Cap, should I start off with a little bit of fire? You know, right before before we got on air, we were speaking behind the scenes about the, the, the brawls. Should we start off with that, or should we just... Let it simmer before we get to the heat. No, no, no. no. Go, with the, go with the fire. Then we go with the blue area to calm the fire right okay. afterwards. How about All right. that? All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, for, for, yeah. <laughs> that sounds fair. Because you're going to need to calm um, it. You're going to need to calm it. <laughs> well, listen, folks. Long-time listeners understand that this program is, is, a, is a different program. You're, for those who have been listening and continue to listen, we do try to enlighten. We do try to be fair, but we do have a, a, a particular bent on things, and it's very frustrating to listen to conventional radio, and even and even some of these podcasters that they keep it real safe and vanilla. And yeah, sure, we keep a G-rated program for the most part, um, except for our cold openings. Sometimes the cold openings, like the Jim Jarmish uh, clip that we played in the in the beginning from the. Um, what was the name of that film, Cap? Uh, Ghost Dog. Pardon me. The Ghost Dog film for 99, Jim Jarmish. I would definitely advise our listenership to actually check out that, that movie with uh, Forrest Whitaker. And RZA. RZA also made an appearance about an urban samurai. Um, aside from those cold openings, we do try to keep a, a, a G-rated program. But... Even if it is G-rated, we do try to keep things very honest. And it was um, disheartening to hear about these mall fights, mall brawls. And if you were to go to YouTube and actually input mall fights, mall brawls, I'm afraid to, to say that they're not that uncommon. And it's not the first, the first of, of, of this year. Well, the first of its kind for the year 2016. This seems to be an annual thing around this time. But for this to be a a, a, a national occurrence happening at varied malls all over the country and in varied cities, and it, 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 it it's very disheartening again to see mostly black and brown. Youths with a smattering of lower tier white folks. So, what 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 becomes troublesome is we hear about police malfeasance. Um, we hear Black Lives Matter railing. We hear progressives railing. We hear all these people who are out here telling us that we're victims in perpetuity. And yet, as a, as a side note, we're supposed to ignore the same demographic cutting it up in these corporate spaces for no real apparent reason. Uh, we're hearing that social media might be engineering some of these, the, these fits of misbehavior. But I must say, if, if we're trying to deal with the, the the white nationalists that we're being told and we're, we kind of see visibly are becoming more prominent and more normalized 
I think our our stalwart um, co-discussant Claire Lene, I believe she has mentioned this even when we discuss more pop culture fairs on Saturday. That the and then Daryl B also comes in and weighs in on these things. That we are at a point post Trump. That the, the white nationalism, the alt-right, whichever euphemism you choose to, choose to use, their factions are becoming more corporate and normalized. So that's going on simultaneously with these out-of-control out of Negroes, for the most part, that we see visually and symbolically cutting up. I mean... We have to deal with these people somehow, because if we're because if if the if there's a reemergence of the Third Reich, and I say that not so facetiously, if we're supposed to be seeing the the return of Hitler in some way, and I'm not even talking about Donald Trump per se. I'm talking about just the ancillary groups. Uh, what's the guy's name? John Spencer or is it Richard Spencer? They, yeah, Richard Spencer. This young man. Talking all that ish and all that ahistorical nonsense. These guys are coming around. Tommy Lawrence, all these people with their weird belief systems. They're gaining ground, gaining prominence, gaining popularity. And yet, there's a large swath of black and brown youth, millennials, adults who are doing these things as if, as if. It's in a vacuum and doesn't make the racist happy. I'm not in the business of making racists happy. So I believe I have a, a clip around here somewhere, cap into our audience. Let me see if I can find this clip to encapsulate what's going on a, a little bit better. We do try to give full elucidation, full edification. This is from CNN. Hold on. All right. Also, this story, you're probably seeing headlines about it this morning. Violent brawls at more than a dozen malls around the country. This sparked panic among shoppers just one day after Christmas. Many of the incidents caught on cell phone video posted on social media. Sarah Seidner is following it live for us this morning from Los Angeles. I, I mean, do they know what sparked all of this yet? Yes, there are some police departments that have said that social media played a role, saying something like, come to the mall and fight. Uh, but they are looking into this, and it's very odd that it's happening at so many different places, very similar scenes. Let's take a look at some of what happened yesterday as people were going back to the mall, as one does after Christmas, to kind of hand back some of the gifts you don't want. You can hear people screaming here as punches uh, are thrown. And this is inside the shops at Buckland Hills. A large chase then ensues. You see people running there. Our affiliate in Hartford says one of the officers was assaulted trying to break up that fight. Then we move on to Fort Worth, Texas. That area and that mall that you see there, that's put on lockdown following a massive fight there, including over 100 middle school and high school students near the food court. Officers had to go store to store to let people out once that lockdown was lifted. Then we move on to Aurora, Illinois. This is the start of what evolved into a massive fight at Fox Valley Mall. Teenagers had to sprint down the stairs 
trying to get away after the fight broke out. The mall forced that mall to close for the entire day after that happened. Then in Ohio, this is ridiculous. You see this happening over and over again. That mall put on lockdown following unfounded reports at first of an active shooter. And then police say that all began because a fight broke out among teenagers in the food court and someone mistakenly thought they heard gunfire. Then in Chattanooga, Tennessee, after police say teenagers set off fireworks, there were uh, people running and scurrying, worried that that was gunshots. It was not gunshots, but several shoppers were hurt there as they tried to get out of the way. And then in Aurora Town Mall in Colorado, that mall closed as well after several fights broke out inside the mall on several levels, mind you. And there were about 500 people all surrounding that area, some of whom were involved in fights. Police say it all started with a social media post promising a fight. And then lastly, here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, people also forced to evacuate after a massive fight broke out at a food court. Police are looking into this and trying to figure out if there's any connection between all of these, because it is very odd that you have more than a dozen of these happening across the United States, all inside malls. And they're checking so, social media, right? But so far, no evidence on social yeah. media? Yeah, they, they, they looked at social media, and they are finding out that there were some instances where social media did prompt people to go to the mall and fight, but this is really odd for this to all happen all at once. So there's a lot of, lot of looking into that this morning. Don. Sarah, thank you very much. All right, Cap, um, picking your brain, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts about this. What does it all mean? Um, I also, just want to, as an aside, I forgot to mention that the great George Irving uh, from Oklahoma fame, and I knew of Mr. Irving. He's a Broadway actor, a well-renowned actor, died at the age of, I believe, 94. Uh, I know him as, as a kid from uh, Heat Miser fame. Heat Miser, uh, you know, the, the Christmas special. Uh, he was hot. Actually, it, 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 well, listen, it's still hot. Um, uh, the year without yeah, a Yeah, I watched it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we grew up on that stuff. And uh, he, the, the, the caricature, it was a caricature of him. I mean, if you know how Heat Miser looked, that's pretty mm-hmm. much how George Irving looked. That was even kind of an inside joke. And even Dick Sean, who was Snow Miser, the Miser Brothers, and I believe they actually revisited, revisited the, the, uh, the Heat Miser, you know, Heat Miser, Snow Miser thing, uh, with Mr. Irving reprising his, his vocal work about eight or nine years ago. So um, with a heavy heart, more entertainers of, of our childhood are passing on. So I just figured I'd mention that as well. Heat Miser has left the building. Uh, Cap, your thoughts about these, these, uh, these young people cutting up? Well, there's a few ways I can go with this. Let's start with this. You, had, you did have more fights back in the 80s. I don't know if they were to this magnitude, but you, you did have more fights. And what happened in Virginia didn't necessarily affect New York because we didn't have the computer set up like this. We didn't have this huge Internet. We didn't have what we call as social media. You know, so, but we did have it. You did have it. But I dare to say we're a bit smarter. We were a bit smarter, probably a lot smarter. Now, I have to add a science aspect to it, which is kind of insidious when I hear this when they talk about social media. You know, I said before, we're four-dimensional beings, especially if you're under 41. It applies to you. If you're after 41, it doesn't necessarily apply to you as much. 
all right? Four-dimensional beings acting as two. What do I mean by that? It means the three dimensions, length, width, and height, and there's a time component. It takes time to experience the length, width, and height. But what happens, because computers are informational space. That's all it is. That's why you always need to update on your phone, to update on your computer. They're updating the information. They don't think, all right? They don't think, all right? When you get to quantum computers, that's something entirely different. You could begin to fake intelligence from that standpoint. But that's a whole other story. We're not talking about quantum computers. We're talking about from just a binary aspect, one and a zero. So you constantly need to update the computer. Now, when you have your information running along computers, what do I mean by that? Your driver's license stuff, it's online, medical records, job information, but you are on Facebook and everything else. This creates a reality. So from the NSA and the CIA, you know, alphabet people, man, you know, I don't like them too tough, you know, because they don't like me, but that's a whole other story. The NSA and CIA, they have said this. The insidious part, both of them is insidious. They talked about humans being nothing more than wetware. What's wetware? Nothing more than bio- biological automatons. You can be programmed through your SMA. What's the SMA? Good question. Supplementing moldy area on the top of your head. The soft spot on a baby's head. Those of you who've had babies, you know about this. That soft spot. You put intent and you put energy behind it, and you can actually control the human being to a certain extent, make them go out and do things. That's what the NSA and CIA said. That's their, their doctrine. But here's something else, too. They also say you can type in a computer and get people to react because they're messing with your informational space. Remember now, NSA has supercomputers. So the CIA. And all your information is running all over there. You know, so in a microcosmic level, forget about the macrocosmic, what they can do. In the microcosmic level, you put an article up on the Internet, could be fake news, it could be real news. You get people to react, don't you? And people react emotionally. So you can see there is some control via what happens in the Internet. doesn't have to be real. doesn't have to be real. So, you know, when I see this type of this situation here, it looks a little strange to me. I'm just looking at it different ways. Now, that being said, let's put all the science gobbledygook aside. This is buffoonery at the end of the day, okay? Let's put the science gobbledygook aside, buffoonery, buffoonery. You're on camera at the mall. You want to get it in with somebody, take them around the corner, find somewhere in the woods or something where someone can't, you, where, where you can't, you know, young people do do certain things. We do know that, but not on camera, all right? This is buffoonery because the camera image, when they start to vivisect it, dissect it, and break it all down, that image can affect you for the rest of your life. Who knows what you want to do when you're 40, 45, 50? You may want to run for some Congress position after you got your act together. And they go, oh, we got this right here. Come on. <laughs> You're buffoon. <laughs> this is what they do. They go through your Facebook. They go through your social media. They look at who your friends are. Come on, once it's time to get serious. It's just foolishness at this given point. This is the game that we're playing in. Your whole life is an open book. They look at all of that. All right? And if you let Afro tell you tell the story pertaining with Sally V, they look at all of that. <laughs> You're a buffoon. All right? Back over to you, Alfred. Yeah, you know, I was thinking of um, YouTube 
personality, Tommy Sotomayor, I think his name is. And uh, he's on the fringes of what we do. I mean, we're, we're you know, I don't really, um, I can't even use the term contour and contrast because uh, I just think he does a different, he has a different shtick. I'm not really going to go into too much critique with him. Uh, I think there are individuals that uh, I can ride with more, with more intensity. And, and I really can't, you know, you just can't ride with everyone. But, um, you know, you, you take what you can with, with certain people. And he, he referenced a story um, recently. If I can remember exactly what he said, it was um, – uh, I hate it when I'm speaking extemporaneously, Captain. It was something that Tommy Sotomayor addressed recently I wanted to talk about uh, that's, that's connected to this. I think, I think he was – I think he was – oh, yeah. Uh, he spoke about a story. You might, you might remember this story, Captain, because I think it's a local story. Where a young woman uh, of Latin descent, and I'm just mentioning ethnicity just for specificity, it really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to me or to what we do here. But um, for the purposes of to- Tommy Sotomayor's thing, I guess that's his shtick to go into people's ethnic makeup. Anyway, he, he mentioned that this was a young woman who had a relationship with a young man. And she uh, gave him sexual favors. I'm not going to get into too, too grotesque. Generation, or that generation, I should say, they, they, what you just said, they have this penchant for recording themselves. Everything is, 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 is locked and loaded. Uh, it's out there. There's no hiding. It, 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 they work on a different wavelength than, than, than many of, uh, of the folks that follow AfroNerd. So... In this story, um, he had videotaped, or there was a videotape of the occurrence with these two, and he proceeds to pass the tape around to his friends of her of her performing an act on him. You could use your imagination to determine what was being done. You can imagine that's a horrifying situation, and I don't understand like why a young man would do that. If a woman is conceding to your desires and you want to go back for, for, for seconds and thirds and so forth, why would you do something like that? So he, she, she, she concedes to his desires, and he decides to kind of poke fun at that, uh, passing up. And another thing, Captain, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit disturbed that you, 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 show, you show your boys your junk for their pleasure with this woman. I mean, the whole thing is just crazy. She responds in embarrassment by uh, having having him robbed by three African-American, quote-unquote, goons. But I don't really make distinction between black and brown, but for Sotomayor's take, he has to go there with that. These, these, are, these are people in the community. Um, and she gets these goons to do her bidding, and he was supposed to get robbed as as an embarrassing thing, but he ends up dying. He ends up, they end up killing this this kid. I believe he's, all everybody involved is in their late teens, early twenties. But you you sit back and you and you say, this is nihilism, and it's it's a chief component with these you are seeing 
nationwide cut up, cutting up in a mall. And I'm, I'm reminded of that story because it is the kind of thing that you do these things that are not necessarily hidden anymore. That if you were to cut up in the, the 80s or, or, or early 90s pre-internet, you might be able to have a life or have some kind of youthful indiscretion without having to worry about it following you. But these, these young people, not only are they carefree about these more, really absurd youthful indiscretions, but they're doing it under, under the premise that it's recorded and it's going to follow you for decades to come. So um, for my purposes, I just thought I see the goose steppers approaching us. I see the goose steppers. And the apologists, you know, the hoteps, as some of these folks on YouTube, I'm beginning to kind of ride with that now. The the pro-black folks, I perceive, I perceive what we do here to be pro-black, but it, it probably would not qualify or quantify to the standards of some of these other mainstream black folk, who who, in my estimation, are apologists. They can speak very forthrightly about. The, the goose steppers, the racists, um, the primitivists, uh, lower-tier whites, they can speak about that, but they can never complement it or contrast it or contour it with these out-of-control black folks because they're going to be able to effectively deal with these goose steppers unless we deal with these anarchists that are causing wrecks in these establishments. As a matter of fact, it's worse than, what we, than, than what's being reported because there are malls that uh, I am aware of that for some, reason are being, uh, for some reason are being left out of the equation. And maybe, and now that I think about it, Captain, it might have something to do with uh, what these malls represent. I, I can say locally, Roosevelt Field Mall in the Garden City, Long Island area is a very tony, wealthy area. So... Uh, and, and, and actually, I uh, frequent or used to frequent that mall to escape the malls that might have a penchant for acting like this. And now, and as expected, I can't escape these crazy fools because, uh, you know, your predecessor, Captain Kirk, Iron Man, said that at Roosevelt Field Mall, a, a like-minded situation occurred, not that dissimilar from the stuff that's going on across the nation. So. And, you know, my angle is, yeah, it, it's in poor taste, it's dangerous, I don't like it, maybe to be tribal, maybe to be tribal, um, I have to concede or, or I have some kind of uh, feeling for these, 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 these men and women that kind of sort of look like us, <laughs> but don't act like us. If the goose steppers are coming, well, how are we going to deal with it? That's all I have to say. I gotta bounce that back to you, and then we'll move along. I see our friend Bison uh, again, Afro stalwart, Afro nerd supporter. He's right on that. He's he's saying, who still goes to the mall? That's another component. You know, the the, the technologist crew, uh, all of us, the listeners. I can't I can't go to the mall the the way I would want to, even if even if I wanted to, because I order things online, Amazon, eBay. Uh, incidental stores. Um, I, you know, I, I don't. I haven't gone to the mall in years. 
I don't need to go to the mall. So I think even that's kind of peculiar, actually. But um, what, are you, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Uh, and also to our listeners, if you'd like to join in, there's quite a few, quite a few callers I see that are holding. Uh, remember, uh, you, you, know the, uh, you know the drill. Press 1 if you'd like to join in on the discourse because quite a few folks listen in on their cars and using their cell phones. So, again, if you want to join in, press number 1. That way it's, it's a virtual hand-raising thing. So, Cap, again, how are we going to deal with the goose-steppers with these Negroes out of pocket? Well, as far as that's concerned, we're only having a conversation. I'm, <laughs> all we could do, I, I don't have a plan for that at this given point. I really don't. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that. I don't have a plan for that at this given point. I really don't. You know, the goose steppers are coming. I don't have a plan for them. I know what I have to do, but I don't have a plan, you know, for everyone else in mass. I really don't. That's all I can say about it. Yeah, um, I have a quasi-plan, but it's, it's more of a plan when it comes to finances and, and, and some kind of autonomy. You know, I think all of us, uh, especially uh, members of, of the AfroNerd team, you know, there's some things we're going to have, we're going to, have to implement with more serious aplomb. Um, but that doesn't really – that's still some sense of autonomy – that's more uh, a, a something in your head, more or less, to make you, to make your immediate situation a bit more pleasant. But as far as dealing with your physicality, I don't have a plan either. But at the same time, this is something we're going to go to a groove. I want to do that. You know, that's a chief component of our enterprise, playing urban alternative groove. Um, I, I, I will say this: that this is, I think that for our listeners, like-minded Afro nerd folks. Uh, Folks who have some degree of cogitation, favorite word, uh, my favorite word as well. For the, the thinking people, uh, what is really more harrowing for folks like ourselves is that we are literally caught in the middle. We are literally caught in the middle. And, and, and I try to de-racialize de- things. I don't, I don't like talking about race because, because that moral superior, superiority thing I've embraced, not – let me, let me be sure that folks understand what I'm talking about. I don't think I, I, I am superior as far as human value, but I do believe I am, and I suspect many of our, many of our listeners, because you're listening, we are morally superior. And I have, I'm having a difficult time. If it comes down to a physical situation, we'll have to figure that out. But we are, be, we are caught between lower-tier, troglodyte white people who still are scared of melanin versus uh, aberrant nihilistic black folks that are hell bent on pulling you and me over the precipice. That's what it means to be a thinking person, a thinking black person is that I'm able to look at this stuff. Shout out to our, our, our supporter, Claire Lene again, because we, we, when we speak, we talk about this all the time. We are in between worlds and can be equally affected. I know I'm talking in a metaphysical way, but I hope I'm making sense. If you, when you have a clear mind, clear conscious, conscience, and you can see things absolutely straight, and I look at things from a, from a very moderate perspective, 
I'm trying to. I mean, I have I have my bent. We have our bent, but I do try to keep it close to the vest and, and pretty much in the middle. You could be taken out by someone who wants to take your car because that's happening. You have you you know you're minding your own business. You're going about the business of life. You're you're trying to live a a a, a legal existence, and perhaps you might come across. You might come across that uh, that police officer that had a bad day, but I have you know I have something for him or her. But you know let's let's assume I'm I'm with the the Black Lives Matter folks. Let's say that could happen. You know let's say it, it could happen. You could catch it that way. You can catch it from Jaquan Laquisha having a bad day, or you can catch it from Billy Bob, who uh, wants to do what his 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 grandfather did and string you up. I mean, this is where we are. This is this is this is where this is the, the the nation that has been ushered in now, January twentieth. I don't know. That might be another show to deal with. Heck, um, was it A and E? We're going to talk about that if we have enough time. A and E just canceled this documentary slash reality TV show, escaping the, escaping the KKK. Although it was initially called Generation KKK, further normalization. <laughs> you see how this works, folks. It was initially called Generation KKK, but then someone, maybe we had a lucky day and someone of color said, you know what, calling something Generation Triple K might be normalizing it. So then the PR people said, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. Let's call it Escaping the Triple K. And then, he, then they found out that they were paying these people to perform in a racist manner. But then again, I think that if you pay these people to perform in a racist manner is not that dissimilar from paying Nicki Minaj to do, to do the same damn thing. Do you, do you see how I made a break this down, Captain? Do you see how I can break this down? The minstrel and the quote-unquote yes, racist, same person, that's, yep. that's, that's what drives if me. You, if, that's you what drives them, my... if you pay them, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. This is the kind of thing that, that causes me uh, agita and OCD. I'm just saying. Anyway, folks, after all that, this is the Midweek in Review, people. Um, let's go to a groove. I think I'll play some more um, George Michael in a moment. Let's take another break. Um, well, you know what? Let, what, what no, no. Let, me, let me honor the man properly. Let me play another George Michael tune. This is with uh, Mary J. Blige. This is a cover of Stevie Wonder's As. We'll be right back. Give you about two and a half minutes. Let's groove.
back, um, as much as I like that groove, it didn't really have enough of the vocal work for Mr. Michael. Uh, again, that was as going back a few years with uh, Mary J. Blige, featuring Mary J. Blige as a, uh, the cover, the song called As, uh, which is a cover from Stevie Wonder, um, one of my favorite songs. And I actually liked the way George Michael covered it. But again, George Michael was a talent. And um, I, I, I had to kind of think about it because I'm so much into music that I have a, quite a few George Michael songs in my library because the man, uh, you know, he, he, he had abilities, man. So uh, with a heavy heart, um, you know, more people are passing on. And I, and I, have, to, I have to make another correction. Now, I've been following suit with other folk downing the year 2016. I think I'm going to stop that. Uh, the mighty comedian Bill Burr. I listened to his podcast earlier this morning, and he went to a pretty uh, cogent rant. You know, sometimes these comedians, these social commentary comedians, can give you so much clarity through humor. That's the genius of a good comedian, that they can say some things and it's, it, it'll straighten you out. And he said, Knock it off blaming a year. <laughs> he said, how can you blame a year, the year, for the demise of some of these celebrities? And he said, it's a combination or a combination of genetics, lifestyle, but to go into blaming the year, that is just um, so logical. I said, hey, you know, I kind of fell into that whole trap, too, with 2016. I think even when I, when I would write up some of these, these uh, shows, I would reference 2016 and even some of my earlier rants, constantly getting into 2016. I have to kind of uh, re- retract that with what Mr. Burr is saying. And it, it really is about lifestyle. Even uh, the, the departed Mr. Prince Rogers Nelson, as much of a genius as I thought the, as the man was, um, he wasn't really formally educated. Not that educated people can't, can't uh, leave the building also. Robin Williams was, was extremely educated but very troubled. I do think education does have a, or, or can play a role. And, I, and I'm not even, even less formally educated, just being well-read. Being well-read, having some knowledge uh, has a lot to do with how long you can remain uh, on the earthly plane. So uh, Prince left high school, or, well, I believe he has a high school, he had a high school diploma, but he really wasn't interested in, in uh, scholarship. I think as he became older, you could see that he, w- he was getting more into um, more cerebral, cerebral affairs, and sometimes that just happens as you get older. Uh, some of the people that he was hanging around with, even though I'm not a big fan of, of uh, Corny, pardon me, Cornell West, uh, he was hanging around those those folks, and um, the drug usage, the fast lifestyle, uh, poor Carrie, poor, poor um, Carrie Fisher, she was bipolar, and this is something she admitted in her in her memoirs. Uh, she came from Hollywood royalty, a singer Eddie Fisher, and of course Debbie Reynolds, and now Debbie Reynolds is has been hospitalized. I wouldn't I wouldn't dare. Uh, think that it probably has something to do with uh with her daughter falling down uh it's a it's a terrible thing when a parent outlives their scion anyway um 
she, um, Eddie Fisher famously married Reynolds and then dated, dated and married her best friend, Elizabeth Taylor, all within like a year or two years. It was, it was very scandalous. So multiple marriages, multiple affairs, uh, a lot of wealth and access. This is the, the, the foundation that Ms., Mrs., Ms. Fisher came from. So she was troubled. And uh, at 60, you know, 60 is still, you know, 60, you can still do your thing or things, as they say on the street. Um, if you're healthy, you could do a lot at 60. 60 is still considered young by, by today's standards. So to have all these issues and problems and drug usage, the lifestyle, is it more about that reality and the recklessness than the year 2016? So I, I had to be absolutely honest. But it still is a very troublesome thing. Um, uh, you know something else too. I, I wanted to mention since I was ta- since I mentioned uh, um, George Michael uh, bringing bringing in the captain of the captain on this as well. Doctor Boyce Watkins, who I contour and contrast with. I don't believe in agree and disagree. I contour and contrast with. I listen to his podcast on YouTube, and there's a lot of information. A lot, of, a lot of positive thinking that he puts out. But there's also things that I don't really agree with, but contour and contrast. Anyway, he went into a recent rant. He had a problem with uh, many black folk being sorrowful over George Michael's passing. Not that he disrespected George Michael per se, but he thought that uh, he, he went into this whole thing about so many deaths from Chicago. And how do, why is it that we the collective tribal we why do we care about george michael versus the 70 odd deaths or shooting shooting victims from the chicago area and actually uh your predecessor cap iron man weighed in again on this and he he was he had issue with it because uh well listen we were george michael supporters uh he's from the class of 84 and I go into that in a few moments. What it means for the, this year and the class of '84. But um, I would I I have a problem with what Dr. Watkins says because you can't start with George Michael lamenting for George Michael or making that comparison based on numbers now. Like why start with George Michael with? What happened with the, the, the Chicago violence? You could start at any point if you're going to make that comparison. And again, my logic centers are on fleek, as they say on the street, uh, because he might, make, he might be making the number comparison. Well, one George Michael is 70 people. But then I can say, well, why can't we make the numbers comparison to police malfeasance cases if – even if I'm going to say that what's happening with the police is out of pocket, the numbers still bear out uh, negatively when, let's say, it's 50 or 100 people for the year uh, that, that made it to the media as far as police malfeasance versus a weekend in Chicago. Why can't I make that comparison if it's a numbers game? So, you know, it's it's always – Moving the goalposts to take from the mighty Q storm, it's either moving the goalposts 
or 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 something to do with with fitting your narrative. And I'm just dealing with logic, the aggregates, the numbers. Black people are dying. Let's let's fix it. But I can't I can't say that because you have folks that are more interested in the reason. They're more interested in the narrative. I don't care about the narrative. I'm trying to stop people from killing themselves. Wherever direction is coming in, coming from, let's deal with the deaths. No, we have to deal with how they died, police malfeasance versus intraracial nihilism. Cap, what are your thoughts? Am I making any sense, or I'm, a, or I'm just speaking a different language? I'm going to give you the, the, the reasoning here. Now, God forbid, God forbid, and I say it that way, all right, that any of you ever lose a child, okay? How do you feel? Doesn't it feel like something is ripped out of your gut, out of your heart, out of your brain? Well, it makes sense from a scientific standpoint. Let's explain, not just the emotional, but from a scientific standpoint. What happens when you bring life into the world? That child is a byproduct of the male and female fusion energy, and you are connected. You are connected. You are constantly giving energy to that child throughout his life. It's one of the reasons why the Gnostics and others refrain from having sex and also having children because the energy is pulled out of you. So if that life is snuffed out, you actually feel something pulled out of you. It creates a void. All right? Fusion energy right there. And you can look that up via science. All right? Now, let's go into the fact what happens when you worship people, when they have hundreds of millions of fans, 50 million fans, and everything else. Philosophers say when you pay attention to something, you give energy to it. Martial artists say, Koreans, which is controversial, they say that also too. Now also, Russian theology, scientists, it's information, but the information is still out there. You have, from their standpoint, three forms of energy. Bioplasm, which is physical energy. You can look that up. Soul fluid, energy of the soul. You don't have to believe that, but they do, right? And then something called the Higgs field. You can look up Professor Higgs, the Higgs field, is what gives mass to energy. So when you are into a George Michael or anybody else, these people that you worship, that you look, you bought their records, their music, you are giving a little bit of your Higgs field, your soul fluid, your bioplasm. So when they die a little bit, slightly, microcosmic level, that's according to the Russians now, all right? We'll be ripped out of you. This is why also, you know, when leaders are assassinated in countries and you can make it a global event, you can use that in order to make change globally. These laws come into that. They build pipelines in the country and everything else. Some United States know very well. That's why the bankers also look to control the president because the president is the prime observer. When the president stretches out his hand, things begin to change. So what is happening, it's not quite the same, because I would say more is coming out if you lose your child. But you, those of you who have lost a child or know someone who's lost a child, you know that type of feeling. When the celebrities die, these people that you worship, you respected, your heroes and everything else, slightly, according to the Russians, also we could add in there also occultists, they'll say it too, 100 million of them worldwide, so they have ability to change reality because there's 100 million of them. They'll say the same thing. This is what you're dealing with. 
So when the person dies in Chicago that you don't, you didn't buy any of their records, they didn't buy any of this, you didn't interact with it, it doesn't feel the same. Someone who dies four miles from that you never knew, you do not feel the same because you're not tethered exactly to the person. You're tethered to George Michael. You're tethered to Muhammad Ali. There's a quantum level link, according to the science, not my science, never my science. So that's what ultimately you're dealing with. That's the difference. So all lives are not the same. They can't be. You understand? Just like your child, losing your child, can never be the same as some thug somewhere losing their life. There's no emotional connection. There's no link. There's no filament. Actually, that's the right term, filaments. There's no filaments attached to that individual. So that's the reality of what's happening here. So what he's saying is fine and dandy. You know? He can talk whatever he wants to talk about. <laughs> you know? He can talk whatever. But that's the science behind it. That's the science behind it. So back when people turn around and they say, well, all lives are the same, it can't be all lives are the same. All you have to do is look at the child, these people that lost their child. You're going to tell them that all lives are the same? All lives matter the same? Get out of here. That's a lie. Stop it. You lose your mother, you lose your father. That's the same type of feeling you're going to have for someone who lives 100 miles from you that you never knew because he came on TV. You go, oh, well, that's a tragic situation. Keep it going. You lose your mother or father, you have something ripped out of you, and you may never regain it. That's just how it works. So it's not the same thing, man. It's a, that's a bunch of poppycock, and anybody can say anything. <laughs> look up the information for yourself. Look up bioplasm. Look up soul fluid. Look at Higgsfield, Professor Higgs. You see, it's all there. I'm not making up any of this stuff, man. Back over to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, what you said is uh, very profound and actually explains a lot. And, um, you know, listen, I, I've, uh, I've noticed how many folks who had a, uh, a connection to their favorite actor or actress or musician, I never experienced it until Prince passed on but, um, and the shock of his passing. But you don't really you don't really know these people, so there's a logic element at least for people who have uh, a higher tier thinking. So I had to approach it from a, from a more uh, logical perspective. But it didn't it it still was my first celebrity death that hit me. I would think personally, where you know people around me jokingly, but and I kind of appreciate that. But uh, whether my my comic book re- retailer who I just saw earlier right before this broadcast, shout out to Donna at Superhero Comics, uh, before, before I even said a word, I, opened, I, I go through her, her uh, business, through her store, and she says, are you okay? I know your boy died. My, my mother said, the wedger of the Oracle Wedger team, I say affectionately. The wedger said, are you going to be okay? Think they, I didn't think they thought that I would have that kind of reaction. But uh, quite a few people came up to me because they knew my persona was somewhat wrapped up with this gentleman's musicianship. You know, how many people were in my cars over the years and said, why don't you play anything else but this man? There's nothing else that's good to me. You know, so uh, I'm still in mourning, in essence, because of Prince's death. Music, I had said on Twitter, uh, music has died. And uh, tangentially, Iron Man was connected to his music, and he said the same thing. Music doesn't seem to have as much uh, resonance to me because personally, he's one of the best musicians I ever saw, person, saw, saw in concert. I never saw anybody perform like that. 
So everybody else, what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laud over Nicki Minaj now? <laughs> I don't think so. That's it for me. There's a point to what uh, the great captain is, has, has referenced. And I think Dr. Watkins is off on this one. I think that um, if, we're going to, if he's going to make a logical point, he needs to expand it a bit and stop getting on this deal about George Michael versus 70 people. The larger question is, again, why can't you just deal with th- these other issues um, if, you're gonna, if, all things are, if all things being equal? But it's, it's, in my opinion, there's an agenda attached to it. So, you know, if I turn that question around to him, he's going to, have an, he's going to go into the agenda thing. So I'm, I'm, kind of, I, I'm, I'm, at a, I'm at a loss for words, unfortunately. Folks, this is the midweek. We're a little bit beyond the uh, midpoint of the show. we got about 53 minutes remaining. The call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. You know, uh, I made uh, – speaking of George Michael, you know, I made a reference to the year of 84, and I I was speaking to the Oracle um, earlier, and I I was telling him the Oracle, again, to the uh, new listener – is uh, my father, who was the tangential producer of the show. Um, I had mentioned the class of 84. And I think I, I, think I also uh, made that reference to Iron Man. And the class of 84, ironically, if there's going to be any connection for this year, is that many of the top acts, or these, these iconic musicians especially, I think Glenn Fry also might represent that a little bit, um, although his work predates the 80s, uh, 84, 84, as far as popular music, was a linchpin for, I'd say it was really the height of mega acts at the same time pushing mega units when you still had a thing called the record store, or as Prince used to say, record store, <laughs> comically. Uh, um, David Bowie, we know him from the late, the late 1960s to basically the present, but uh, he was very, very hot in the 70s. The man who fell to the earth, he was an actor, uh, androgynous singer. Um, all, all, that, all that iconic work, he had a, he had a turn in, in the 70s, but then he had kind of a second wind in the MTV era with Let's Dance and his, his producer who did the guitar work on that, Niles Rogers, coincidentally, is going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 83-84 was a big year for David Bowie. You factor in Prince. Prince's work also predated uh, the 80s. But 84 was that year with the release of Purple Rain, the release of When Doves Cry, Purple Rain, the movie, Purple Rain, the soundtrack, 84 was it. Um, George Michael Wham, 1984. So if there were, if there were any call for, a, for an Illuminati theory, <laughs> Captain, this might be it, considering the interconnectedness of 1984. Um, so I see Bison, he understands that. I mean, you can rattle off. We will, I don't know if we will ever get to that height where music was – was that important going in this era? Um, you know, the 60s music 
I appreciate as a musicologist. Music even before that. I and mean, I could talk about um uh you know, Miles Davis or or um uh Louis Armstrong or uh Lady Day. I mean I, I can go back as far as my musical taste, Bessie Smith, what have you. Um the Prez. Um that's uh, Lady Day's Lady Day's uh collaborator. Um but the 60s was something that my parents would play, and I, I liked it because – and loved it because I was introduced to it, but it wasn't my generation. But the stuff from the 80s and 90s uh, was more generational for me, and um, the, the, the amount of music that was coming out around that time was immense. Bruce Springsteen, another artist that predated the 80s, but Born in the USA was a monster hit. Purple Rain, as I just mentioned. Beat It was still going strong. I'm not Beat It, I'm sorry. Uh, Thriller was still going strong. Uh, Cindy Lauper came out in 84, more or less. Um, uh, Culture Club, Minute Work. I mean, you know, Thompson Twins, Pet Shop Boys, all that stuff was coming out. England was still in full effect. America was still in full effect. Music 84, if you go to just YouTube, not YouTube, well, YouTube, but Wikipedia, and just put an 84, year of music, it is incredible. Lionel Richie was dancing on the ceiling. So um, it just, it is bizarre. But let's not blame the year. I'll, I'll say that much. All right, let's, let's move a little bit uh, forward, Cap. I failed to, um, to talk about this. I think we had a preemption and um, – also, to our listeners, if you'd like to buzz in, if you'd like to join in on our, on our conversation, remember to press 1. That way, that way we know you want to join in on the conversation. Press 1. Anyway, um, I want to talk about this, this, this Bill O'Reilly deal. Ah. We failed. To... <laughs> oh, you want to go to something else? <laughs> no, no, do you the post-bellum, period. Talk about it. Let's go, let's go blue. Let's get that in there. Yeah, yeah, my apologies. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yes. All right, because we, we do try to educate, right? <laughs> All right. Um, I believe Your Black World, which is a, 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 uh, a online presence for the uh, aforementioned Dr. Boyce Watkins, Your Black World, they have a piece on a gentleman from the postbellum period, as Catherine just mentioned, uh, Theophilus. Thompson. I was about to say Theophilus London. Theophilus London is part, part of our Afro nerd musical uh, roster. <laughs> Theophilus London. I, maybe he was named after this Theophilus. But I, I was very um, pleasantly pleased to, to hear about this gentleman's exploits. And, and again, you know, listeners understand that because of how many of us speaking tribally as black people, how we are perceived. Um, I am obsessed with black genius and black cogitation. And I know fully to the, the wedding of brawn and blackness, that's okay. Uh, being of a certain physicality fits into a narrative for this culture. But if you were to wed 
genius with blackness, that's a whole different ball of wax. So when you hear these stories of people that were able to, able to do phenomenal things under dire circumstances, clearly shows an intellect. It, de- it deconstructs and debunks the notion of black inferiority. And that's, that's probably another reason why I have this moral superiority thing going on. Not, again, not to say I'm better or, or, or black people are better than anyone else as far as the human family, because that, that would be just, you know, that's primitive talk. But we have a, a grave injustice has been laid upon black people when it comes down to keeping us in this kind of, this kind of cloudy state of intelligence. And it, and, it, and it was such an obvious – oh, hold on. I see Bison. Wow. Holy crap. Debbie Reynolds has passed on. Whew. Wow. That's got to be isn't – that, isn't that that what you just spoke about, Cap? That's got to be. That just doesn't that – just, that just doesn't happen. That has to be that, – that has to be the connection. You, you know. There you go. Are we led to believe that she would have passed on? If if Debbie was still around, I'm sorry. If if uh, Carrie was still around, wow, wow, that's incredible. Mm. Um. Anyway, call me for a loop, Bison. Um, Theophilus Thompson was a free freed slave, um, employed as a house servant post emancipation. And uh, it, 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 it's, it's mentioned that he, he was a chess expert, and he essentially was a chess expert through observation. So he saw chess being played, uh, became enamored with the game, and he became an expert at a time where black folk were perceived as being lower intellect and so forth. Um, I, he wrote a book which I got to see if it's still around, called Chess Problems, either to play and mate. Chess Problems. And it was, uh, I believe it was published around 1870-something. I think 1873 was when it was actually published. But to hear about uh, the, this, this, this gentleman in the latter part of the 1800s, uh, and I believe there's also a chess center in D.C. Maybe even uh, Bison is aware of this. There's a, there's, a, there's a Theophilus Thompson chess club that plays on Saturdays, uh, obviously in homage to Mr. Thompson. But um, the fact that he had this book, the fact that he became proficient in playing the game through observation at a time, you know, this, this is, you know, he was a slave. You know, he, he was a freed slave. He was born into slavery in Maryland. So I, I was very... Um, you know, kind of happy and melancholy at the same time to hear about this 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 man with these abilities, and to think that, you know, if there were ever a case for, for this 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 misconception of black folks are of inferior intelligence, if 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 that were really true, then why were the the slave owners so hell bent in having retribution? for those who learned how to read. Like, you can't teach a dog how to read. But there was always this, 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 this insecurity 
and I guess it was a form of control, but the insecurity aspect of black people not being allowed to read, but at the same time you're inferior. So which way? So which is it? How are you three fifths a human at the same time? It's illegal to teach you how to read. I mean that that de- that deconstructs the whole thing. So this this man learned to become a chess expert, Theophilus Th- Theophilus Thompson, in in a time when you know he he was he was post slavery. So I, I thought that was a pretty interesting story. Any any thoughts on that? That's what that's our blue area segment, by the way. We're going to have to have more of them, especially for the ensuing year. But what are your thoughts about Theophilus uh, Thompson and what he you know the fact that he was a, 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 a he excelled at a time when you know, illiter- illiteracy for black people were the nor- was the norm for that time. What do I think? Yes. That's right. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> More black people, they need to see that and understand that. That's not really to push, put up in the white man's face or anything like that. That's for us to see that. Because a lot of us running around don't know anything about that. That's why I was pushing so hard, you know, we, we got to you know, balance this out a little bit. You know, that's a good story for us as black people to know about. You know, that's how I feel about it. You know, it's not so much about, hey, look, white man, I can do this. No, 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 Look, black people, this is what we can do. That's what that's about from my perspective. That's all. That's all, sir. Yeah, I mean, he wrote a book on chess strategy uh, post-slavery, born under slavery, still a house servant, you know, after uh, he was emancipated. Um, and uh, had a certain degree of notoriety, actually, because of his, his, his chess-playing abilities. You know, maybe you might consider him a, a, a Bobby Fischer, a sepia-toned, uh, formerly enslaved uh, Bobby Fischer, that because of the lack of opportunity and, 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 and the, the degradation and, and racism of the time, obviously, and those, those um, thoughts about black people and inferiority, which it seems to still persist with us today to these days, you know, phrenology, the pseudoscience, uh, uh, drapetomania. You know, uh, I, I wish some of these, 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 these miscreants in the malls would, get, would really get an understanding of what, what has been done. I mean, maybe that's a, you know, they, they'll say that's post-traumatic slave syndrome. I think it's just ignorance. Um, when you think about the pseudoscience connected to blackness. Again, drapetomania. For those who are unfamiliar with the term, drapetomania. I forgot the the uh, the doctor, the white the white doctor who uh, came up with the term. But it was just a made up term that uh, uh, a type of psych- psychological madness that would overtake a black person if he if he or she were to to run away or if he were to if he or she were to escape the 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 mere act of rebellion or wanting to escape servitude was given a scientific malaise it was it was given an actual an actual uh an actual name was given an actual uh an illness drapetomania was dubbed a slave illness because it would be it, you must be sick to want to leave slavery. So they gave it a name, drapetomania. This is what you're dealing with. This is the effery. I, I wish I could say the actual word, but this is the effery. 
that that black people had to deal with in their in their nascent stages post slavery and even in slavery. Uh, anyway, folks, um, I hope you appreciated that blue area segment. Um, okay, let's. You know what? I don't know if I, I don't know if I even have the clip for the. Um, well, I might have the O'Reilly thing. I just wanted to touch on it briefly. I actually mentioned it on the Grindhouse show a few days ago about Mr. O'Reilly's statement. I, again, it kind of references the well. You know, Fox is all about non sequiturs, things that don't add up, false logic. Powering through false logic is what Fox, is what what they do. So he had a segment about about um, what happened last week with the Electoral College and how ultimately the electors conceded to Donald Trump. But the early history behind the Electoral College has a lot, is wrapped up with representation. Uh, when I reference three-fifths human, the three-fifths human clause and Dred Scott decision, a lot of it goes back to, to the early stages of our country, the early governmental stages of, uh, of, Ameri- of America, of American government, a governance obviously deals with the Electoral College, and we're still dealing with it to this day. So he goes from the Electoral College argument into using the, using the term white establishment. Now, most of the time, Fox tries to be coy with racial analogy, and with saying things so bluntly. I very rarely have I heard them use the term white establishment. You would think it would behoove them, or specifically uh, O'Reilly, to just say establishment, to say tradition. Um, Lee Atwater, famed Republican consultant who died at a relatively young age, there's a, a, an audio that's out there, an audio clip, where um, he he talks about uh, he talks about how how Republicans you know the, the Southern strategy and how you could use dog whistling and 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 euphemisms to 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 mean something else. So under normal circumstances, you wouldn't use the term white establishment. So I, I want I want. The listenership to listen to some take a listen to this thing. Um, I had to I had to download this again, again. Pardon me. <laughs> I had to down, download this again, Captain. So let me see if I was able to pull this up correctly. Um, damn, it's still okay. Let, let me let me try this one more time. You got to hear this, but I found I, like why would he mention white establishment unless. Fox that they really are trying to align themselves with the alt-right. And even the alt-right sometimes tries to be coy about the nationalism part. Uh, okay, wait a minute. I think I mislabeled it, Captain. Oh, uh, Damn, I still can't. It's still not coming up. I don't know. All right, I can't. I can't pull that clip. All right. Well, I, I wanted. I wanted the, the audience to actually listen to what Mr. O'Reilly was talking about. Unfortunately, I can't do it. It's still not loading properly. Um, 
Cap, you're familiar with what he said. I mean, in a nutshell, he said that uh, liberals and, and, and people who are, who are against this electoral college, um, at the time, the electoral college decision, that they are just trying to deconstruct the white establishment and to usurp power from the white establishment. And I said, um, yeah, yeah, I believe there should be an establishment. I just don't think it should be a white establishment. All things being equal, I know we talk about multiculturalism and diversity and how many of these white nationalists find that an anathema, the, the concept of diversity. Uh, I, even I am get, getting away from the term about diversity. I'm, I'm more of, a, of immersion, just, just immersion. I don't, I don't think we need to call it a, a, a separate thing. I don't, I don't believe in calling a separate thing for people of color to be involved in the business of life. And there should not be a white establishment. There should be, I believe in traditionalism or even conservatism. My brand is conservatism anyway. But why does it have to be called a white establishment? Why did he go out like that? A lot of people are able to critique that. Now, how far will it go? That, that, you know, or, or people critiquing what he was saying? But I thought it was very, very interesting that he used the term. What are your thoughts about Bill O'Reilly, of all people, saying that uh, why are people trying to dismantle the white establishment? Why is there a white establishment? Since he, he would say that – he, he used to say – he used to speak in more vague terms. Now he's coming out and saying white establishment. Well, the white man's feeling himself. That's all. white man's feeling himself. We know that. That's what it is. Take the kid gloves off. I'm gonna tell you how I really feel. This is what it is. You know? That's that's all that's happening here. That's all that's happening here. And you know, with someone like Donald Trump in office, which we, we know what he's about, you know. We know he's about pro white guy. I don't care what anyone says. Pro white guy. It is what it is. Not the first time we had a president that was like this. We and we've had worse too. So if you look back in the history, it is what it is. You know, some white people are going to start feeling themselves, you know. They don't feel, they, they don't, they feel more or less, you know, with the liberal agenda. If Hillary gets, was to get into the White House, it's going to be a bit different. It's going to be more passive. It's going to be more soft-toned, you know. You have to couch your words differently. Hey, now, I'm going to just let it loose. Point my finger. You know, O'Reilly, <laughs> he got a little bit of that Donald Trump. He like to point his finger, even though it's merely an act. He like to point his finger. Remember, O'Reilly, when you point your finger, you have three pointing back at you. Always remember that. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. So this given juncture of time, white, some white people, they're feeling themselves. You know, throw out the political correctiveness, which is really a liberal thing to tell you the truth. But that's a whole other story. You know, there you go. Sir Afflener, that's all. All right, you know what, Cap? Uh, let's take a quick musical break. Um, when we get back, I want to talk about this um, Denver Nuggets former coach, George Carl. He has a book called Furious George. And, um, well, once again, you have folks that are upset about some things he, he said about some, some players, some former, some present, uh, that are still playing the game. Carmelo Anthony... Um, uh, Kenyon, uh, Kenyon Martin is a retired player, but I think um, he took umbrage with some remarks that um, 
that Mr. Carl made about about these gentlemen being under his tutelage and noticing how they dealt with money. His his usage of the term posse again. We know who was the who was the the the, play, the gentleman from uh, I should know this from the Knicks. We spoke about him. He was uh, using the term posse, and they, that caused a hullabaloo. Also, Cap Lakers coach. Why can't I remember his name? My ginseng's off. Former Lakers coach. Now he's in the uh, he, he's in the administration for the for the uh, the Knicks. Yeah, it's, believe it or not, me and you, me and you both, <laughs> we miss his name right now. Everyone knows who we're talking about. What's his name? I know. Uh, Bison knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's a well-known, um, it, perhaps one of the best coaches in the league. I can't think of his name right now. I, come on. I know what he looks like. He used the term posse recently, and, and now also um, George Carl is getting the same um, – He's getting the same critique. All right, I'll look it up after the after the musical break. I'm I, I need ginseng, folks. Again, I could Pat Pat Riley comes to my my mind right away, but that's not him. But he's in that same upper tier as far as um, coaching abilities. Anyway, um, we'll be right back. This is heavy now, heavy now by L. Winston, Phil Jackson, right on time. Phil Jackson, how can I remember? How can I forget that gentleman? He caught the same um, critique. Anyway, L. Winston, heavy now, more groove. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
All right. No applause. I wanted to. <laughs> Again, folks, uh, caught me off guard on that one. That's Heavy Now by L. Winston. Urban Alt Groove, Black Rock and Roll, Psychedelic Soul, certainly L. Winston, Heavy Now. Uh, 646-915-9620, a game, 646-915-9620, George Carl. Um, I have a couple of clips that I think might actually be working. <laughs> and, I, you know, I don't know what to think. I mean, I, I know some folks are extremely sensitive about what he said about these these players, but, you know, at the same time, I think, uh, the truth is something that can be that that can, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Is that some kind of adage to that? The the truth is like a bitter pill. Anyway, um, I'm gonna play. I have two clips, so let's play one of them at least. We'll see how the time is is working out. Uh, this is from Speak for Yourself on the YouTube. Um, it's about two minutes. Hold on. I think a lot of successful people, if they went into a psychoanalysis, are users of people. Coaches are, and players are, and CEOs are, and politicians are. And secondly, guys write books, and then we complain it's boring. So when a guy writes a book and says something really raw, we're like, whoa, that's why you write a book. Like, if you write a book, say something. George Carl said something uncomfortable. That's what you should do when you write a book. Carl also said, and, and I will be interested in Chris and Jason's reaction to this, he also said in the book, that Carmelo, Kenyon Martin, maybe some other players had issues because they didn't have a father in their life to teach them how to be a man. What do you make of That's that? That's a really <laughs> personal thing, but I think there's some truth to it. Well, look, I'm a firm believer in the importance of fatherhood and having your father there. That said, you can't generalize with everybody. I mean, the statistics show you're better off with your father there with two parents. But Grayson Allen... <laughs> Had a two came from a two parent household, <laughs> and he's tripping players on the court. LeBron James, about as great of an ambassador as the NBA has ever had. Yeah, he came from no father, never even met his father. So, you know, I, I get where Carl's trying to go. He probably should have couched it with his. This is my opinion. I felt this well, way. It's his book. It's he, his memoir. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. Okay, so he, but he's not an expert. And, What's been the um, feedback? The I mean, Nobody's upset with George Carl over there. This Stop the Carmelo right there, Colin, you became a great radio host by telling the truth. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. That's how you got there. Whitlock, great columnist, spoke the truth. It hurt sometimes. Yeah, how do you think we built up our website? By telling the truth. And we had an opening to no, make you know, headlines. a hot girl picture. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> hey, you, you think you notice? boxes on your site. <laughs> Occasionally <laughs> we'll go there. The <laughs> Occasionally. But we're going to keep it 100 all the time and go after people when necessary. And it irks some people. That's how we got to, noticed. To Jason's point, did anything he said, did you feel it was untrue? No. And, and There's and nobody we, in the NBA going, Exactly. Hold on, D up. <laughs> <That was selfish. laughs> no, no, nobody said that. <laughs> that to me, I mean, in the end, you can argue the points, but there is nothing categorically untrue, and this is what we do. I bet the book's mostly vanilla. I bet there's two pages you can't put down. <laughs> uh, George Carl's pretty, pretty wrong. Right. Name me a successful coach who isn't hard driving. Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, Nick Bill Belichick, Nick. I mean, you could go on and on forever. All right, Cap, I, I, I barely heard. I know you interjected. What was it you said? Listen, I kind of stopped the tape right there. I don't want to hear Jalen Rose. I think that was Jalen Rose, right, on, on the tape? I think so. I don't want to hear anybody talk about some exceptions versus the rules. Stop with that foolishness. 
Stop with that obtuse type of thinking. Stop, 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 stop. Two-parent household is better. I'm talking about no exceptions. All that's to make Because a lot of you out there, your butt hurt. Your butt hurt. Your butt hurt. All you have to do is look. Look at the prison statistics. When you look at the outer wedlock birth rate, forget about the basketball for a second. Forget about that. Forget about the basketball for a second. When you look at the outer wedlock birth rate versus the statistics of the prison, the people that are in prison, in conjunction with the race, let's look at it. Blacks, they say, at this given point, out of wedlock birth rate, 78%, 77%, depending on what statistics you look at, 73%. Single-parent household, right? Plenty of mommies, plenty, plenty of aunties, grandmothers, but no fathers. They're in the prison the most, according to the statistics. Latin community follows next, around 56%. Then in the prison, second. Then it's white people, around 28%. Then in the prison, third. Then it's the Asian community, community, which is only 10%. Certain things run hand in hand. You have the exception, and you have the rule. And most of these guys in prison, they don't even have at least a high school diploma, and they don't have a mama. So let's, let, let's stop playing these games. Now, some of you might say, what does this have to do with basketball? You have the exception and you have the rule. Let's get away. Let's stop with the exception business because that's the problem. That's what you harp on when your butt hurt. You do things by the rule, chances are the exception. <laughs> you do things by the rule, do your things by the rule. And we want to have very little exceptions because you did it by the rule. And now everyone's going to call in. Go ahead. Call in. Call in now. Your butt hurt. Your butt hurt, man. With that foolishness, man. Go ahead. That's right. Call in. Call in. Now, this doesn't have. <laughs> your, it butt hurt. It butt hurt. I'm tired. I'm tired of that, man. You have the rule, man. You have the rule. I'm tired of that on all levels, man. Just tired of hearing well, that, man. Cap. Well, you know, Cap. Uh, and it would I, be Jalen Rose because his butt hurt. Well, that was Chris Broussard. A vice, uh, oh, Chris correct. Broussard. Okay, my mistake. Yeah, Chris Broussard. Okay. Well, it sounds like Jalen. Uh, My mistake. My mistake. Bice, yeah, yeah, Boyce uh, playing that out, and I remember seeing it. I couldn't think of the gentleman's name, but, uh, yes, it, is, it was definitely Chris. Uh, I'm going to play another clip, a couple of minutes, and then we'll open up the lines. Um, I believe Sergio Mims was on hold. I, I, you know, usually I tell folks to press 1, so if Sergio's listening, you know, call back in if you like. Uh, my apologies, but I'm so used to telling folks that if you want to join in, simply press 1. That way we know, because many people – you know, we have 5, 10, 15, 20 calls on hold, and they just want to listen. They don't necessarily want to call in. So, anyway, um, let me play this, this clip, and then we'll open up the lines. We'll get into I see the Political DMV's correctness business, man. I'm upset about that, man. Political correctness well, you know what? business. Stop with that bullshit, well, man. What you said is correct about, and we said this on repeat since almost since the show's inception, that – when you talk about the rule, there's, a, there's going to be an exception to the rule. But this whole thing of trying to bring up the exception to make, you, to make you take away the pain of the reality of the rule is what's really, what's really going on. Because you can't handle it. You have to come in. So I, can handle, I can handle the truth. I mean, I don't like talking about these, these, these young black people, mostly 
children of color, young, I shouldn't call them children, young people of color cutting up across the nation in these malls. doesn't say all of them, but we're seeing visually, thanks to the media, social media now, it's going on. It is something that has to be talked about, but this needs to kind of assuage things to make you feel better because of, this, of the discomfort. That's whack. I'm sorry. Now, now let, me, let me just interject this quickly. Now, yeah, I want to get to his up, credit. Quick clip. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just interject. To his credit, he did say, that was Chris Broussard that said, right? He did right, say right. that, you know, every situation is different and everything else, and yada, 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 yada. All that he did was beautiful. He did break it down in a correct manner. But still, all in all, man, his butt hurt. It sounded like his butt hurt, man. You know? Try to cover political correctiveness. Get to the room, man. Just get to the room. I'm tired of hearing that, man. Tired of hearing that, man. Just tired of hearing that. The room is the room, man. Shut up. <laughs> okay, this is this is Charles Barkley weighing, and now you know folks don't like him either. So hold on. John, you're, you were talking about uh, Mello and the spotlight, and George Carl has this book coming out called Furious George. And he says, Carmelo was a true conundrum for me. In the six years I had him, he was the best offensive player ever coached. He was also a user of people. It wow. to the spotlight and very unhappy when he had to share it after the game tonight. Melo asked about those comments. The truth of the matter is everybody else is kind of speaking up for me. And, they, you know, from their own experience, so I really don't have to speak on it. Uh, when I write my book later, I'll... <laughs> if this would have came out years ago, I mean, you talking. I haven't been in Denver in six, seven years. I haven't played with, played with, you know, under him in seven, six, seven years. And uh, you know, just when you when you're there, it's just a different story, uh, you know, than what you hear after the fact. You know, I never, I never knew it was this much. I never knew I was a. Uh, I mean, I don't, what's the word? Conundrum. I don't even know what the hell that means to be honest with you. <laughs> We came together. We stuck together as a team, and you know that's that's at the end of the day, that's all we had, you know, out there. And it took us, it took us a long, it took it took us far, you know, not far enough to where we was able to win the championship. But it, you know, we we came together as a team because of all of that. There were a number of things in that excerpt from the book that uh, grabbed everybody's attention and had them talking. We we showed you that that one there about uh, about Carmelo. Also said that. Uh, he really lit my fuse with his low demand of himself on defense. He had no commitment to the hard, dirty work of stopping the other guy. My ideal, probably every coach's ideal, is when your best player is also your leader. But since Carmelo only played hard on one side of the ball, <clears throat> he made it plain he couldn't lead the Nuggets. George Call is a good friend of mine. Uh, I've always admired him and respected him. But this was so such a low blow for him uh, as a coach. I'm, I'm really just disappointed in him because George had a great career. He was a hell of a coach, but to, and he didn't have to, he's probably done coaching, but to come out with this stuff after he retired, I can't even explain how disappointed and mad I am at him. Uh, just a man of his coaching ability and who had his career to come back after the fact and take shots at not just Carmelo, 
But Kenyon Martin, J.R. Smith, first of all, if he had to say them, he was playing, it would have been totally different. But you say it after the fact to juicy, add some juice to a book coming out. I'm just very disappointed in George Carl. Uh, and Kenyon Martin was, uh, was criticized, as was J.R. Smith. Uh, and they talked about, he talked about all three being uh, AAU babies, akin to the spoiled brats you see in junior golf and junior tennis. And he said Kenyon and Carmelo carried two big burdens, all that money and no father to show them how to act like a man. Um, Kenyon Martin fired away, uh, as you might expect, in a series of tweets, called him an awful coach, a coward. Uh, I didn't have a father growing up. We all know that. What's George Carl's excuse for being a terrible person? Uh, It's just gotten ugly, and it's... Unnecessary. And I I, I hear what you're saying, too, Chuck, because George Carl's a friend of mine, too. And and we watch George go through a terrible... People are. Right. <laughs> let's, let's open up the lines. Let's open up the lines because of time constraints. You got less than uh, eleven minutes. For, for, the, for the DMV, I think I think I think this is uh, Bison. Bison, is that you? Clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. Book, book is clickbait. Yeah, man. Um, this is Butthurt Bison calling um, to respond to Captain Kirk. What's going on? What's, how's it going, sir? What's up? Hey. Hey, um, David, if um, Sergio calls in, I'll just defer to him, you know, because I know he hasn't called in a while. Um, right. At the end of the day, it's a book. Like it, like someone said, it's probably a page or two about that. And most of it is just um, redundant stuff that we've all heard and read before. But this is part of the PR spin. But to answer your question, what do we do about it, though? We We know the statistics. Okay, what do we do? And all the statistics Cap and yourself have, have, have used are correct. I, for one, think the first thing we have to do to solve the ills in the black community is not black economic empowerment. We've got to repair the black family. And, Agreed. And we have to bring marriage or at least um, a semblance of, of family structure back to, back to our communities much more than we see now. And we're moving further and further from that. Now, that's where I stand. It's sort of like, okay, Trump is in. What are we going to do? We've seen worse. We've dealt with worse. I just want to know what the solutions are. Because what I'm seeing, Debert and um, Captain Kirk, younger people, the millennials that, you, you know, you and I sometimes rag on, they're not as welded to brick and mortar institutions such as the church like we were. So we gotta find we gotta find something that anchors them outside of a, um, a smartphone. That seems like the only thing. Only thing that seems to unite them is social media. Everything okay. else, you know, is um is 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 vague and scattered. And I don't have an answer for that right now. Good point, Bryson. Good Cap, point. Cap, you, you have yeah. any thoughts? Because I mean, this 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 is a larger issue. I mean, you know, we could talk about. Mr. Carl's book, but it's touched a vein, it's touched a nerve because it really taps into uh, the greater social ills of the black community, although it's specific to Mr. Martin and Mr. Anthony. So what, what do you say? I mean, I, we talk about this every, every time we have a show, practically. I mean, I could tell, what, tell people what to do, but 
or what I think could be done as a start, but no one seems to, you know, it's, 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 it's painful. It's, it's a game. It's the kind of response that people have when what you just said, when you talk about uh, the rule, the first reaction is, well, that's not so. Well, you know, if I tell you, the, if I tell you, you need to do something to, for the, to, to, to deal with the common cold, they'll tell you that's not so. I don't want to do that. So, I, I, you know, <laughs> I defer to you. Well, first off, I would say to Bison, great call tonight. Great call. Excellent. Excellent work once again. You know, now there's one thing I just have to, you know, going back in time, we do talk about millennials from time to time and everything else. Being raised in the church, one thing a lot of people were doing, being raised in the church, they were getting married, a lot of these individuals. You can say what you want, <laughs> what happened later on and everything else. Coming up in the 70s, coming up in the 80s, they were getting married, going back into the 60s and everything else. And I'm not the religious guy, but there's something to that there with helping to build the foundation. I'm not the religion guy. Sit down and pray and everything else. But from that aspect, the marriage thing, that does work with pertaining to building the household. So just as what you said, Bison, I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. Maybe we could figure it out down the line together somehow. I don't have the answers to that, to get the millennials or the younger generation on that page where they're not just running around all crazy without a chicken without a head, pretending to they seed. Back over to you, Afro. Huh? Well, you know, listen, this is an MP3 that's on repeat on the show. I mean, I could t- say a, a, a couple of things that I think would be helpful. I mean, first of all, you know, one thing, especially if you have a conservative bent, that when you start to say, this is what I think some, some of, uh, of the minority communities should be doing, when you start doing that, they will say, well, what are you doing? Which means, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. They'll say, they'll get, they'll personalize and say, well, you're not doing anything, or what, or what are you doing? And at the same time, they say, I don't like your message. So which one is it? It's almost like how I just spoke about uh, these, these white racists during uh, antebellum times that you're inferior, but we're going to keep you from reading. Well, if, if you're inferior, I don't need to keep reading from you because you wouldn't know how to do it false logic that also is very uh, very much an encumbrance to what's happening with black people. So I could, I could say certain things. Uh, first of all, I know full and well it's, it's going to be very difficult for, for me or for an individual to go into other individuals' homes and tell them how to raise, they, raise their children. Like being able to just go one by one and say, point the finger and say, you need to be doing that. That's not effective and you might end up getting, uh, you know, a, a very a vitriolic and vituperative response. So it seems as if many of us, irrespective of race, are motivated by symbolism. We are motivated by symbolism, and we don't want to talk about the, the, the effects that the, the programming of black people. Like, we are, we are literally being programmed for failure. If we can dismantle the programming symbolically, I think a lot of what's happening with black folks, at least the, the trajectory, you know, it's, it's like um, looking at a, at a railroad track and, and you, use, uh, you, 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 you go to the track and then you change, change the direction of the train. 
we need to, we need to be able to look ahead and change the direction of the black of the soul train, for the lack of a better analogy. Um, symbolically, I don't see enough think tanks in the black community. I mean, the church is not going to be the think tank. I mean, I think at one time, civil rights and pre-civil rights, the church actually was more active, active and activist, where they they planned and they executed. That church, Abernathy Church, the the MLK Senior and MLK Junior churches, that lineage doesn't appear to be doesn't have the same effect. We have mega churches with with uh, Creflo Dollar types asking for money to to line their own pockets. So I don't know if you can look at the institution as a church like you um, like the church, the black church, like you should be able to. But if we were to employ on think tanks nationally that actually took a co- a coercive effort to dismantle the current strain of programming as to how black people are supposed to conduct themselves. Because this hip hop thing, folks will say that oh it's, you know it's not it's not anything. But if you have Trump looking to get pseudo advice or make some kind of pseudo connection to the black community through Kanye West, then that that means that hip hop really is more powerful than we we are led to believe. So when you start to look at the lyrical content of this of the programming that's put out there every day that's meant to uh take away the free will of many of our black and brown youth, that has to be cut off. Now other groups I see when they see that they that they're being accosted like that, somehow they're able to dismantle that programming. Black people we don't do, we don't we don't address it. There should be think tanks with with different different plans attacking the situation. I mean that's just one thing. Addressing the symbolism of the the symbolism and the motivation that's teaching us to fail. Because the programming is 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 active with black people having us go in the opposite direction. What would ha- what just just what would happen if there was a coercive effort to attack this negative program because other ethnic groups are not being attacked this way. What what is the peculiarity of black people where we get attacked specifically this way? I started lo- actually looking and listening to some of the the current artists on YouTube. I I sat there and listened. I said, "This is incredible! It's incredible!" And and it normalizes it. We see fully that you, there's an effort to normalize white nationalism. So we don't think that black failure, conversely, has also been normalized. So I mean, actually, I have a number of of of, of things I think that can be done. But I think that alone, you know, there was a book that 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 asked the query of the book. The title was, uh, "Do are white people? I think are white people the only ones getting married? I think I'm paraphrasing, but are are, are white people the only ones getting married, or white people get married? Something like that." I mean, the fact that someone could write a book like that and have evidence and empirical data to show that this is an issue, I mean, that, that says it all, Cap. 
we have seconds. Um, I think that you know, seventeen, seventeen would be nice to see a cadre of people actually attacking the programming that is clearly against black progress. I'm just saying. Anyway, folks, I'll have to go into this more with more uh, with more seasoning. We have literally seconds. Remember Saturday, more pop and pulp stuff, comic books, Claire Lene, the Uncanny Daryl B. Going out on a high note, this is Gold Link Palm Trees. See you on Saturday. It's been real.
Just a good replacement. 